Just quickly before we get started, I wanted to let you know about a free ebook I wrote a little while back called Engineering Leadership 101 Practical Insights for Becoming a Leader at Any Stage. It shows you how to grow as a leader no matter where you are in your career, the important differences between management and leadership, and it dispels some of the common myths engineers have about leadership. And like I said, it's free. So if you're interested, you can go ahead and download your copy at engineeringandleadership.com slash leadership 101. That's engineeringandleadership.com slash leadership, the number 101. This is the Engineering and Leadership Podcast. Pat Sweet here, and welcome to episode 21 of the Engineering and Leadership Podcast, the show dedicated to helping engineers thrive. Today, I interview Josh Mathias, the Managing Director at The Hive Group, a multidisciplinary engineering firm from the UK on leadership, management, and his ascent from the shop floor to the corner office. Hey, everyone. This is Pat Sweet. Welcome. To the Engineering and Leadership Podcast. I'm super glad you've joined me. And if uh, if this is your first time here, I'm, I'm really glad you found the show. This show is all about, uh, as you might imagine, engineering and leadership. <laughs> I'm super creative with the name. Um, but also all the things that that, that come with that, management and, and uh, productivity and, and self-management. There, there's a lot that goes into becoming an engineering leader, whether or not you've got a, a formal title on your business card. Uh, you can be a leader. And that's what this show is about, is helping you do exactly that. Today, I've got a great interview with Josh Mathias to share with you on the journey from starting at the very, very beginning and rising through the ranks to becoming the top leader in an organization. There are an awful lot of great lessons learned and some really good advice, especially for aspiring leaders that I'm, I'm very excited to share with you. As I mentioned in the last episode, I've launched a mini-series on becoming an engineering manager, that transition from engineer to manager. And this is the second episode in that series, and I'm pretty excited about this one because it highlights a success story that many of us will be able to relate to. And as you'll hear, Josh's road wasn't exactly paved in gold. There were a number of issues and challenges along the way, so hopefully you can find some inspiration in that as well. With that, Let's dive into my conversation with Josh. Josh Mathias is the managing director of the Hythe Group, a group of engineering firms based in the UK with significant presences in marine engineering and construction. Josh joined the firm at age 22 as a laborer when it was still a small company of five people. He eventually found his way into management and later became the managing director of the organization, helping to build the firm into what it is today, a significant player in the United Kingdom with over 100 staff and annual revenues of over 15 million British pounds. As you're about to hear, Josh has pursued aggressive growth both personally and perhaps more importantly for his people as well. And he attributes a great deal of his success to being able to step back and really allowing his people and their ideas to drive the business forward. Here is my conversation with Josh. All right, so welcome, Josh Mathias, to the Engineering and Leadership Podcast. I'm I'm absolutely thrilled that uh, you're able to join me today. Uh, it's nice to meet you. Ah, likewise. I wanted to start 
a little bit uh, with, with a bit of an orientation and learn a little bit more about your company, the, the Hive Group, what it does and, and what you do within that organization. Right. So Hive Group is um, it's a support group. It's a support company which really supports the day-to-day operations of the sub-companies within it. So we've got Hive Marine Services, which is the original company we had, which was predominantly a ship repair company for the MOD. Ministry of Defence, and we had government contracts working on the likes of aircraft carriers, submarines, destroyers. That was where the business started. Um, And so Hive Group has been formed to support that company, as well as another company called Hive Building Services, which is more of a construction industry business. And both, so Hive Marine Services originally formed its services, as you can imagine, in an engineering world, they can be transferred across multiple industries because at the end of the day, metal fabrication is something that's used across many industries. So from Hive Marine Services, we kind of grew into Hive Building Services. The, the association with Hive Marine, the marine word associates quite a lot of costs with clients. So Hive Building Services was formed to help move us into different industries. Um, and so the group company and my role, so we've where this group you want to create efficiencies within the businesses so so instead of having you know finance in one business finance in another business or hr etc we created the group which is not a trading company it's a support company which helps grow and focus on each individual company and their strengths within it okay excellent excellent so 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 you and i you and i are in uh, similar worlds because uh, my my day job right now is in uh, is in shipbuilding as well so so you and i you and i'll have to to nerd out a little bit at the end of this um <laughs> so so we, we know a little bit more now about uh, about hive group what what about what about you what, what's your role in all this so i'm managing director of hive group um but previously, before the group was created, I was manager director of Hyde Marine and director of Hyde Building Services. So my day-to-day, originally, where Marine was the original company, we we took that from very small, almost nothing, up to what it is today. So, you know, it was very much commercial structure. I was implementing that. We were growing. We were trying to bring people in. We were developing people from inside and bring them through the ranks. Um, and really, I, I was focusing predominantly on the commercial side of the business and the day-to-day management of the trades. Um, and just trying to get the company structure found or the foundation solidified so that we could eventually grow into what we are today. So uh, to put it day to day, it was originally a lot of man management or people management um, and taking the engineers and growing them and developing them and giving them the strengths that they've got today. Oh, so, so it's a uh, uh, today then focused. It, it sounds like you've got more of a strategic focus today that that's that, that that's really the the bread yeah, i mean with 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 two to three different companies trying to get them to a line is quite tough especially there's certain things within it because they're engineering companies they have similarities but they obviously have different goals and targets and structures within them so that you know where you work for the mod they're set up in a very different way to say a commercial industry so it's my my challenge at the moment is aligning both companies and setting a platform for both those companies and any other companies that join to grow as well so from my point of view values are massively important at the moment setting a purpose the values and purposes as far as i'm concerned shouldn't change no matter how many companies you have for example the purpose that i've set for our businesses or the group of businesses is um, 
I create businesses for people to grow with. I, my focus is developing the people we have internally or bringing in external people to help solidify that desire. Okay, that that's so really really fascinating stuff. I'm 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 really excited to to, to dig into this with you. But let's let's uh, back up a little bit. I, I'd like to hear a little bit about your your personal story. Now, uh, uh, cruising through your your LinkedIn profile a little bit, looks like you you studied at the University of Sydney. Um, what what was it you were studying there, and and what you know what what was the end goal? What were you what were you hoping to to get into at the time? Uh, well, to be completely honest, it was not work-related at all. I went out there to study exercise science, um, and really my desire was to end up living out there full-time. Um, and the program at the time, if you got a degree in Australia, um, you were then given residency at the end. And partway through my degree, the kind of the rules of the, the, the process changed. Um, and then I changed into computer design because I've, I've always enjoyed my technology and systems, etc. So that was something that really sat well with me. Uh, and I carried that out for a while and then just came back to the UK. So there was no real link with what I do today with what I was doing back then. Uh, you know what? I, I think I think that's interesting. I think a lot. I think that's the truth for a lot of people, actually. Um, you know, cer- certainly when I was in school. Uh, I had no particular intention of getting into systems engineering or ship design. That that was, uh, frankly, not not on the radar at all. So, h- how did you get into the ship services industry? I, I guess I guess it's two thousand eight, and you got into you, know, you became a yard hand, a marine trade assistant with, with Hythe. So, how did you end up there? What what, what happened? So before Hyde, I was with a different company called Sonic Refit, and I was, it was just after I came back from Australia. I didn't really know what I was doing, and I just went down to this yard, worked on ships that were in the dockyard being repaired. Um, and from there, I moved across the Hyde Marine because it was only down the road, and they were doing much more interesting things. It's a very small unit, um, and I just I loved it. I was hands-on. I was a labourer. I had no skills, no trade awareness, no understanding of that industry. It kept me busy, and the people I, I just liked the people that I was dealing with. So that's that's how I got to Hive Marine. Oh, that's that's amazing. So I, now you, you say you say you were you were unskilled. You, you must have done something right because three years later you become a a commercial manager. So I, I, I guess I guess two questions there. What you know what what did that job entail, and and how do you go from being unskilled, new to the industry, to a management role? This is this is fascinating to me. So I was whilst being a tradesman, my my goal and desires were I was never wanting to be a tradesman full time. So I always wanted to go into the, the uh, management side of things. But in order to be a good manager, I truly believed that I needed to understand the industry and the people within it and how they work, what was tough, what they loved, where things could improve. Um, and that's really what I was doing for the three years. It was. It was never going to be the end goal, and I always knew I was going to be going into these types of roles. And I felt it owed respect to the team and the company and my future to really understand the nitty-gritty of the day-to-day operations. Um, and from that, so I did that for three years, four years, and then I went away for a few months because I thought it would be tough on me and unfair on the team for me to be one of the lads or one of the people, one of the workforce one day, and they come in the next day and start being a manager. I needed a break. I needed to separate myself in a way and then come back in with a new new, new purpose. Yeah, yeah, of course, of course. So even with this separation, you're, you're coming in as a manager, as a young guy, yeah. right? 
Um, surely, surely you were working with people who had more experience than you had years on this earth, right? <laughs> how, how did you, how did you manage that? Right. It, was it, did, did you ever have, you know, imposter syndrome? Like you felt like you didn't belong? Were you confident the whole way through? What, what was that like in your head? Well, it, so Hyde Green was very small um, and we've got to remember that. So we're talking, the management structure was very, there wasn't much of it. So coming into that role, it wasn't like I was filling anyone's shoes or um, uh, someone was there to guide me. I was really learning on the job and I was having to make the changes that I thought were necessary based on my experience working with the team and how the companies we support wanted us to support them going forward. So the I didn't have any syndrome. Obviously, I was young, so that, that was a massive complex to me, going into meetings with people two times my age, uh, their, their experience, their knowledge. I was worried that I might put my foot in it or do things I shouldn't or ruin the future of the business and what potentially alter the workforce's future so it was a mass it felt like a big weight on my shoulders but also at the same time i had no other option other than just to carry on right and and carry on you did um and you you continued to take steps so so obviously things went went well looking back on that time is there anything in particular that that you did that that helped Ensure success. Were you were were you lucky? Were you hardworking? What 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 made it work? Because uh, from from where I sit, and I think probably a lot of the people listening, it's easy to see how that could have gone belly up very quickly. Uh, but ev- evidently, it didn't. So what, what what's what's the secret? Um, well, I think being with the team for so long as at the early stages, it allowed me to communicate with the workforce in a much more efficient and effective way. I understood them. They understood me to an extent, but then appreciated that I had to look at things differently. And at the end of the day, we had very talented people working for us. But the hardest bit with an engineering company is organizing the team, getting them to work in the right direction, not fighting each other as well going in opposite directions, not physically fighting, going in opposite directions. So that communication, um, I, the there was no resistance. So where we were small, we were mobile, we were active, we were a reactive company. It, it was all going in there. We were pushing in the same direction. And for me, the communication was key. I couldn't have done anything I did without the team being on board with our direction so so what about the the other side of the coin is there anything looking back any any big mistakes any any lessons learned that uh you know you you wish you wish you hadn't have done oh i mean there's loads of things i shouldn't have done and did do (laughs) you know going from being in meetings commercial meetings and saying things i shouldn't have done or reacting um in a frustrated way and not thinking before speaking all those normal things you do when you're young and you're reactive and you're passionate um many things but if I look internally at the team again the same thing not stamping my authority because that's not my management style but and getting people to realize that I'm trying to help and even though I was once with you guys on the shop floor the changes I'm making are for the benefit of the business to make us more efficient allows us to get more work charge accordingly keep the customer happy all those kind of things but yeah I've, I've made a lot of mistakes and it's generally around um 
instant reactions, I would say, not really taking a step back and thinking about what you're going to do before you do it. And I think that's a, that comes with age and experience. I, I think I think it's a case for a lot of uh, new managers, and, and I know I know this was very much the case for me. And I, I talked about this in my last podcast episode. Was when I first became a manager, I felt a lot of pressure to respond to situations right now. I felt like it was my job to not only give you an answer but give it immediately, so that you could go on and and, and do what you got to do. It really didn't occur to me for a very long time that I could stop and think that I could say, I, I don't have an answer to that right now, but I'll, I'll, I'll help you figure it out. Um, the, so, so it's, it's interesting to me to, to hear this same lesson, uh, be learned on, on your side of the pond as well, right? That, that this obviously is quite, quite common. Yeah. I think I was taught early on to, if I didn't have an answer or I wasn't sure, um, I would say I'd happily say I do not have the answer right now, but I will come back to you with an answer. And providing you build a reputation of, of actually fulfilling that and coming back with an answer, it's 10 times better than making a spontaneous decision or reacting because you're unsure. You just, everyone's got time. We're in a very fast paced world. You know, every communication is instant and it, it makes you feel like you have to be instant with all your responses. And you just need to learn that you, can step back, you can think about it, and then make a decision. And it's a tough thing to learn. It really is. No, oh, that's that's great. That's great. Now, fast forward a little bit. You are now uh, managing director. You are a leader of leaders now. How how has that changed the way you view your own leadership? Because presumably now you're looking at managers and leaders under you and and, and trying to provide them with guidance and and direction and you know, the the work that you are now managing looks different it must so I, i'd be curious to know what what that transition was like uh it's it's tough as well so you're going from managing a team who are on so you, the, the levels of management are smaller when you're lower down in the business or when the business is smaller so less channels of communication and when you're a leader at the top and you've got senior leaders or senior managers to deal with your communication structure has to be so much more efficient and the information you gather from these people needs to be effective you need it to be structured so from 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 me personally every time another level of management was put was put in i had to improve my communication skills massively and that's why i'm such a strong believer in education internally and making sure that not only I'm learning, but my leadership team below me are learning is, is learning as well. Because without everything, with a growing company, if your team aren't growing with you or you're educa- or aren't educating, then you're either going to grow out of them or you're going to go backwards. So this, I'm really glad you're, you're saying this because, and, and we discussed this uh, before we hit record, is that one of the main themes that, that I see in, in your story and in the, the Hythe group one of the main themes is growth, um, and and this is something that that has come up already a couple times. What why is growth as important to you as it is? Where where does that come from? Yeah, well, so it's the group is like I said, it's supporting all these companies within it. So it's not growth is important to the business because we're trying to support the desires of the the teams within. So people come with these ideas and. 
and I want to support them and I don't want them to feel restricted or say this is not what we want as a business. And Hive Building Services, as an example, was formed out of Hive Marine. So two work, two of the workforce from Marine approached me and said, look, we've got this great idea. We want to go into construction. We've got the this this process and these ideas and we would like to like to try them. And you know, that in itself, I, I love the idea, I love their passion, and I, I, I supported everything they wanted to do. And that's where the building side came from. So for growth, it's not so much our, my desire, it's the, it's the people within the business that are pushing this growth. And it's, it's allowing them to grow with the businesses. We, as a business, are very into apprenticeship schemes and supporting the kids from a young age through to what they are today. And that transition from an apprentice to a tradesman to a manager, I've found with the team that we've got, it makes it so much easier because they're learning about the company and how we run from day one. And you're installing so much confidence in them and and, and the family kind of feel to it. But um, it's it's a long topic, I guess, but it's something that the company are very passionate about, apprenticeship. No, and that, and that makes sense because I, I, I feel like that mirrors your experience as well, right? And this is something that you talked about quite a bit is is the value of having been on the shop floor uh, for for years, right? That's And, and I, I think it's easy to see how that influences the way you manage, right? So for the company to support that and, and really emphasize that makes makes perfect sense. That's great. So with this, with this as a backdrop with, with both, both personal growth and, and organizational growth, what's, what's the future of, of the Hyde Group? And, and maybe more importantly, what, what's the, the future of uh, Josh Mathias? <laughs> um, so for the group, it's, it's just, again, to create that platform to allow the other companies to grow. But if you look at marine and building services, I mean, I am very much involved in the day-to-day, but it's really the, the controllers of each unit within the businesses that it, it's their direction. So I just want to continue, me, Josh Mathias, supporting these people within the business. The, the businesses are run by incredibly talented people, and I couldn't do it all myself. And I just want to create foundation and structures and communication and ensure that people's values and purposes are aligned with the overall projection of the group um and i i can't see myself ever stepping out of this role i love it i love the day-to-day i love the challenges it brings i love the people management and the headaches and the passion that come with it That's a good sign if, if you love the headaches that come with it you're you're in the right the right line of work this is great uh, Josh, th- this has been an awful lot of fun. I really appreciate uh, you making the time today. Um, if uh, if someone would like to, to learn more about you or the Hyde Group or any of the businesses, where's the best place for them to go? Right. Yeah. I mean, um, I'm on LinkedIn. Uh, so it's the group. Uh, our website is hythegroup.com. Uh, we're on Twitter as well. Uh, I'm on Twitter. Uh, the, all the normal communication channels. And we're also on Instagram as well. Well, again, thank you. This has been uh, this has been an absolute pleasure, Josh. I really appreciate you being here today. Thank you. Thanks once again, Josh. Again, a really interesting conversation here. One of the things that really stood out to me during this conversation was just how much Josh prioritizes growth, both personally and for his organization. He also puts an awful lot of emphasis on trusting his people and was really quick to give recognition where recognition was due. And very, very inspiring stuff. Uh, a lot there that I think we can all learn from. 
I'll be posting links to the Hythe Group website and, and social media links. So if you're interested in learning more about uh, about the group, about its companies, about Josh, it'll all be there in the show notes. Just go to engineeringandleadership.com slash episode 21. Up next, the Engineering and Leadership Mailbag. This, of course, is the part of the show where I read your mail, comments, tweets, messages, and answer your questions. I promise to read everything you send me, and I promise to share my favorites here on the podcast. First note up here from LinkedIn. Wilson wrote to say, I really like your podcast, and it really inspires me to become a better engineer. That's that's great. Thank you, Wilson, for sharing that with me. It's I, I've got to say, um, it means a lot to hear when people are are listening to the show and being inspired by it. The fact that it actually helps real people out there is is huge. So thank you for that. That's a huge boost for me. Shawshank Adavi wrote to say that the last webinar that uh, that Jeff Perry and I co-hosted really got him thinking actively about his own career. So that's very exciting too. That's great to hear that uh, that the webinars are, uh, are are bearing fruit. So stay tuned for future webinars. And my dear friend, Andrea Jansen, who's a a career coach, you can learn more about her business at ambitiontheory.ca. Andrea responded to an article that I had posted on LinkedIn not long ago on the differences between managers' schedules and makers' schedules. And, And the article argues that managers can get away with constant meetings all the time because that's a that's a, a core part of their work. They go from meeting to meeting, answering questions, making decisions, gathering information. But that makers, people who actually build stuff, can't work like that. They need dedicated chunks of time in order to really think, solve deep problems, and, and get into things. Now, I would argue as as an engineering manager, I'm I'm in the business of of leading people who are makers, and often that means solving complex issues, designing organizations and processes. I I personally believe that engineering managers also need maker time, but that that's a that's a story for another day. Anyway, uh, Andrea chimed in to say that one of the things she finds is that planning something like a workshop or a keynote is in itself creative work, and and sometimes you can't just force it. You can't just say, I'm going to take a half hour and then do it. What she'll do is she'll force herself at least to create a draft of something, even if it's super messy, and then kind of ruminate on it. Go for a run, go exercise, go do anything else, frankly, to allow her subconscious to kind of do its thing. And I think that's brilliant. So for those of you out there who are uh, very time-constrained, who feel like you're going from meeting to meeting, there's an incredible amount of value in in just starting whatever creative work it is that you need to do. Just get something on paper so that in the back of your head you can you can think it through. And maybe later that night while you're doing the dishes or in the shower the next morning, you have that eureka moment, right? If you don't start, you can't have that moment later. So really, really good advice. Um, even better, though, would be to try to create some makerspace in in your schedule. So uh, anyone who wants to learn more about that, there's a really good book out there called Deep Work from uh, from a professor named uh, Cal Newport. He's a, he's a comp sci professor, brilliant guy. Um, so I'll put a link to that in the show notes. But do try to find a couple half-day chunks, in the very least, in your week to really dedicate to deep thinking, to concentration, to really trying to solve those complex problems in your life. 
And just one quick reminder that if you'd like to be on the show, you can leave me a voicemail at engineeringandleadership.com slash contact. There's some software set up there where you can literally tell me what you're thinking, what you're feeling, what kind of issues you're running into, any suggestions you might have for the show. And if you do that, I will put that on the next episode. That will be my thanks to you. So if you ever wanted to hear yourself on, the, on a podcast, here's your opportunity. Again, that's engineeringandleadership.com slash contact. That, my friends, is all the time we have for the show today. Thank you again to Josh Mathias for your time, your insight, your wisdom. I'll be back again next week with another episode uh, covering that same theme on that transition to engineering management. If you enjoyed the show, it would be awesome if you would subscribe to it and leave an honest review. As I, as I mentioned every week, your reviews, I read every single one um, and really do take your ideas to, to heart and look for ways to make the show better. And that, that's a phenomenal way to, to give me that feedback. And it helps others find the show as well. So it's win-win. It's for more information and links to resources mentioned today, just go to the show notes at engineeringandleadership.com slash episode 21. While you're there, you can explore the rest of the website for more free content for engineering leaders. Until next time, this is Pat Sweet reminding you that if you're going to be anything, be excellent. You've been listening to the Engineering and Leadership Podcast with Pat Sweet. If you'd like to learn more, go to engineeringandleadership.com where you'll find more free articles, podcasts, and downloads to help engineers thrive. That's engineeringandleadership.com. Yeah.